0: Welcome to episode 237 of the Formula One Grid Top Podcast. Today we're here to discuss all the action from the 2022 Japanese Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price, and joining me we have Coops from Everything F1. Hello, Hello. Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights Podcast. Good morning. And Jawoji Coop from Hit the Apex Podcast. Hey. But first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five minutes to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, you'll automatically go into our monthly draw to win a Grid Talk t-shirt from our champion range of merch. And if you're one of the 69% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So Formula One has apparently found its champion for 2022, and it's Max Verstappen after a rain-affected race in Suzuka, Sarum dominate and finish about 30 seconds ahead of the next finisher after only 28 laps and that's the thing Coops I'm going to come to you because there's been so much confusion from the Formula 1 fan base in general it seems and even well respected journalists like Chris Medland, um, Luke Smith and various other names please just tell us what has happened and like what actually do the rules say in this scenario
1: okay so what the assumption was was because we had a limited time and we didn't complete certain set the the full race distance. We would then go into certain points columns which had been reported throughout the whole of the race in Crofty and Sky. However, at the end of the race, Max Verstappen announced his champion. Charles Leclerc was given penalty, which meant he would win it by a point, uh, and full so points were awarded. So everyone got confused. So I've looked up at the, uh, the regulations and it's under, if anybody wants to go and check it for themselves after or just now, it's under Section 6, World Championship, and it's six point, uh, 6.5. So if a race is suspended in accordance with Article 57 and cannot be resumed, points for each title uh, will be awarded in accordance with the following criteria. No points awarded if the leader has completed less than two laps, and then we start going over the different columns depending on percentages. So what the confusion is, the race was started, down two laps, before we started the third lap, or just as we started the third lap, it was red flagged. Then it was resumed, which means under the regulations written for this year, full points are awarded, which is stated in the regulations. So that's where the confusion seems to be.
0: Yeah, it's certainly been a confusion, caused by people reporting on what the so-called rules were um Aaron I'm going to come to you because we certainly had a lot to say about this pre-show um you had um obviously like we all had this idea that you know because Crofty and everyone during the race kept saying oh we've only hit this percentage so far you know we're only getting this amount of points like as a formula one fan watching this how important is it that they get the facts right when they're reporting on it
2: it's pretty crucial because um if you haven't dealt with like contract lingo it can be quite misleading um i mean i i remember my first dabble was with legal contracts and stuff like that um it was overwhelming it it, it takes a lot of brain power to get your head around it. But once you do, you kind of have a working theory as to what means what. Um, And you, you quickly realize that what, what you want to happen has to be explicitly stated. You have to say exactly what happens. There can be no room for ambiguity. And I think the FIA F1 have let the fans and by some extent, the teams down a bit because the, the, the journalists that you mentioned at the beginning were confused. They felt that half points or 75% points should be awarded. Um, but the FIA and F1 have have sort of they have followed their rules. And Jamie, Jamie's absolutely right in the way he's explained it. And to the intents and purposes of the rules, they've they've done the right thing. But the rules just weren't explicitly clear. So it is crucial that these things are worded correctly, reported correctly. Um, and then understood. Um, and because of these different columns and the, the, because we had a suspended race and then it restarted, everyone, I think, was all working to the assumption that you know we, we would get certain points for certain race distances because in years gone by, we had a 75% rule for full points to be awarded. So you, you think back to Interlagos 2003 um, where there was a late red flag and we just crossed 75%. And then there was the whole thing where they declared the wrong winner, you know, just FIA things. So it is really, really important that these things are done correctly and they're understood by the fans because Twitter is, you know, it's just a cesspool of people waiting to explode. And it's just, it's not even potentially the worst thing that the FIA have done today, which is absolutely astonishing the fact that the FIA, this is not even the, the the most confusing thing that they've done today, which we'll get onto a bit later. But it, it's really important because we, we jumped onto this soon call and we were all trying to work out whether Max was or was not world champion. And to begin with it just looked like the FIA had changed the rules to make him world champion today um with, with Leclerc's penalty. And that isn't the case, but for a few minutes. It did look like that, and that's not fair on Max. That would do his season and his championship a disservice.
0: Yeah, it certainly is worth prefacing everything that's obviously being said today and in general around this. Um, What has happened is not in any way, shape or form, Max Verstappen's fault. No one really with any sense of logic should be calling for Max Verstappen to, you know, have a championship in this scenario based on this information taken away from him Um, like there is obviously talk about other things but that's not relevant right now and ultimately Max Verstappen has done enough over this season to have wrapped up the championship at this point Um, so therefore Max Verstappen is the world champion elect let's say Um, so Jawad I'm going to move on to you Um, we'll talk about other f i a issues later during the show, for sure, but ultimately it was a very anonymous championship winning race, wasn't it? like he's won by twenty seven seconds after you apply penalties he's just he just disappeared, which is exactly what he needed to do today
3: exactly what he needed to do today and exactly what he's done all season. I mean, I don't think we even got t v footage of him crossing the line. Uh, at the end of the race and, you know, at that point, we didn't know whether he would be crowned world champion or not. But, you know, assuming FIA, the TV race direction did as well, I'm sure they would have made it more momentous than it seems. So it's a bit underwhelming in that respect for him and such a moment like that to be crowned the two-time world champion to have like an underwhelming conclusion to it. Um, but he's done basically what he's done all season, and that's just drive really well. He's been the class of the field since you know the opening round going back to Bahrain, and there has been very little to fault in his driving apart from obviously what happened yesterday in qualifying, which he was given the reprimand for, of course. But, um, he's been peerless all season, and it's just a shame that you know, like we discussed off air, that uh. Given how well he's driven all year and, you know, the league of his own that he's in, that he's got to contend with all these other controversial issues and things surrounding whether it's his team or the FIA or, you know, other drivers and teams around him. But, um, you know, I guess we just have to, as much as we're so fired up and emotional about all the other things going on um, with the conclusion of this race we have to, I guess, take our caps off and say, look, you know, he's two-time world champion, he's done the job. And, um, yeah, I just hope, like we were saying off air, that it's not going to be a legacy for Max where – he's remembered like Michael Schumacher was with, you know, like Aaron was saying off air with, you know, Adelaide and then Hareth and Monaco, all these things that come up as being red flags or asterisks against his championship wins. So, but, you know, let's just savor if we can, if we're not feeling too aggrieved or angry about it, the fact that Max is two time world champion now and the kid can actually um, pedal the car.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly it would be nice if now that the championship championship has been wrapped up, we can get some new winners for the remainder of the season. Um, but obviously, you know that's a that's a um, ideal scenario for the neutrals. But Coops, let's move on to Sergio Perez, who came home in P two today after a very close fight with Charles Leclerc for the last couple of laps. Um, ultimately. Um, given the position by Leclerc going deep into the previous into the final chicane, getting himself a five second penalty. But what did you make of Perez in today's conditions?
1: Well, Perez did exactly what he needed to do. I mean, he's he's not known for being bad in the wet. As I'm sure he's he's pretty good with his tires in the dry. So you know he, he controlled his race well and just needed that wee bit extra grunt to try and get past the Ferrari and. Cross Leclerc gifted it to him, which is not the first time we've heard that sentence this season. Uh, so, yeah, it was. It was. He did what he needed to be. It's like you know, Albon and Gasly being in that red pool in the past wouldn't have done that. So, you know, he did exactly what he had to do and was there in case there was a a mistake by Charles, which there was. So, couldn't really fault it to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also like the issue of because there was such close on-track battles happening between maybe two or three sets of different drivers, there's a lot of, and we only also had 28 laps of running, there's a lot of drivers that have had an anonymous um, session today. So we might not be able to really talk in depth about everyone, but we'll try our best at least. Um, And one of those drivers who was relatively anonymous, despite, you know, a lofty position, Aaron, Charles Leclerc, like, we didn't see much from him, but when we did, it was generally because he was um, in the battle with Perez. But I want to mention, with about 25 minutes maybe left on the actual race, Charles Leclerc questioned whether he could come in and box for new tyres. And ultimately, the reason why he's lost this championship in today's race is because his tyres were shot by the end. You saw on the um, onboard from the rear that he just had a thick band of degradation on his tyres.
2: Yeah, and that that contributed to the fact that he was pushing so hard in the final corner to keep Perez behind and made the mistake, which gave him the five-second penalty, which, I mean, a miracle happened. The stewards of the FIA made a decision very quickly um read what you want into that. There's all sorts of conspiracy theories running around on Twitter. Um, engine mode 11 looking at you. Um but it was a weird race for Charlie. He made a terrific start and then ended up on the wrong part of the track for the conditions into turn one, having nosed ahead of Verstappen. Uh he was close at the restart, and then through the pit stops, he fell back and just never found any pace. Um the, the Ferrari chewed up the tires. It was it was pretty dismal actually for Ferrari because one car in the in the barrier and the other car slow and penalised. Um, but I I do understand from what I'm reading on Twitter, so take it with a pinch of salt, um, that Mattia Binotto is furious about the fact that there was no way that Ferrari were able to go and speak to the stewards and explain anything. Well, you know, let's look at it, factually, Red Bull were afforded that opportunity last week with Sergio Perez, and there was three different incidents uh, of the same thing that they decided not to check um, during the race when they had ample time to do so. So there is, you know, feelings within the paddock and obviously through the fans of, you know, favouritism towards Red Bull, but... If you think back 20 years, everyone thought the FIA were favouring Ferrari and FIA stood for Ferrari International Assistance. So it is swings and roundabouts, but nothing changes the fact that Ferrari just weren't fast enough this weekend. They missed out on pole position by the barest of margins. And today, Charles just didn't have the speed. It might have been different if Carlos was there. He might have managed the tyres a bit better, perhaps, but um, we'll never know because he was the... the car
0: on the hedge yeah and one driver who absolutely did have the speed today at least in terms of staying where he was and staying ahead of the car behind esteban ocon joad in p4 like this is where most of the cameras were pointed through most of the race um great defending um just did everything he needed to do to stay ahead of the seven-time world champion
3: He did a phenomenal job and I was just looking at the Constructors' Championship points um, given the fact that full points were awarded for this race and it was an absolute shot in the arm for Alpine who had both cars not finish the race last time out in Singapore and, you know, Ocon, you know, there was talks of whether he could even win this race at one point, Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Um, or finish on the podium. So great job from him to finish fourth. And I guess amongst all the fallout and the chaos we have with the world championship result and um, the podium, I'm guessing that Ocon's achievement here will be forgotten about a little bit, but it's absolutely, you know, going to be telling come the end of the season where this battle fourth and the constructors between Alpine and McLaren will finish. I'm sure there'll be people in the McLaren camp who'll be, you know, absolutely livid with the whole full points situation being awarded here. But, you know, for Ocon, he went out there, did the job he needed to. He defended admirably against Lewis Hamilton, who is probably, you know, the best or one of the best wet weather specialists in F1. Um, So, you know, you can't really fault Ocon for that. And fourth, you know, such a great result for them on this day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly at least one contender for driver of the day today. Hoops, um, we've obviously touched on it a little bit, but Hamilton is a great driver in the wet. There's no arguing that. And you could see him today looking for those like different lines to try and find a way past off on. But ultimately what lay him down was that Mercedes lack of straight line speed in comparison.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. It's a strange thing to say that Lewis Hamilton didn't have straight line speed in the Mercedes. Uh, not used to that. Uh, but it was good racing. You can see why he is. Seven, arguably eight, should have been able to take my own champion. But yeah, unfortunately the team have to take the responsibility that they just didn't give them the tools to do what they needed to do. Uh, we know that they can race closer together in the new regulations as well. So if we just had that wee bit extra grunt, he would have got ahead of Ocon, I would imagine it wouldn't have been as long a fight. But it was good. It was good fighting. There was some contact coming into 130R, which uh, could have been uh, could have been a, a serious incident. Uh, uh, but you know they, they they pretty much kept it where they needed to keep it. Uh, and one thing that I have to admit, which I don't like to admit because I don't like Ocon is he's actually not a bad driver. Uh, I've never, I've, I never took to him. I don't know what it was, but in the last couple of years, he's kind of shown that he's, a, he deserves to be where he is. It'll be interesting with Gasly next to him, next season how that will go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now another driver who is very good in the wet, Aaron, Sebastian Vettel was last, I think it was after turn one on lap one, after he had a um incident with Fernando Alonso, spun around. The onboards, he had absolutely zero visibility, but he's come back to finish P6. And ultimately, it came down to boxing for those inters immediately after the safety car, didn't it?
2: Yeah, that was uh, a wise old head making the right decision. Although uh, the GOAT actually followed him in. Latifi followed him in behind and also ended up in the points. So it was a very smart move from, from Vettel. I think there there has to be some sort of issue taken with this because they were made to go out on full wet behind the safety car. And as soon as they said, okay, boys, you can go racing again. Two of them came straight in for intermediates. And then they all had to, because they would just all lose time because that's the nature of competition. So it just makes a mockery of having the full wet tires. Basically the full wet tire at the moment is only fit for, you know, trundling around behind the safety car and, man and uh following a mandate from the fia but nonetheless seb drove brilliantly and he kept it pointing the right way he was obviously facing the wrong way at turn one because he had a bit of a bump with fernando alonso i think more the fact that he was just you know you know when someone jumps out at you in the dark and you're not like prepared for them i think it was like that um he just didn't know alonso was there and uh recovered his race nicely no damage and a very, very neat and tidy performance. Got himself into Q3 yesterday. Why is he retiring? <laughs> if you give this guy a good car, he can do the business. Why is he? I don't know. Why is he retiring? Look, Fernando Alonso is a great driver, but Aston mine have still got a, a driver in Sebastian Vettel who can do the business. And he's probably a little bit cheaper and less difficult to manage. So yeah, but credit to Seb. Excellent on his final race at Suzuka. Although that he might be back for a one-off. Who knows?
0: Who knows? Um, certainly um if Alonso's carrying on, it's hard to see why Vettel wouldn't be carrying on. But Jaud, speaking of Alonso, um P7, uh one of the few drivers to make a second pit stop for the inters near the end. And it seems to have paid off because ultimately he's come back to P7 again. Um, and crossed the line oh like one thousandth of a second behind sebastian vettel actually i wish we'd have seen that um but you know um what did you make of fernando's race today
3: yeah again like we didn't get to see that at the end because it was so close and it had you know they you know going through certain corners if you break a little uh later or accelerate a little early it would have made all the difference kind of thing. So um, great job from Alonso again. And it's just good to see those two at it. It just gives me nostalgia trips back to 2012 and even in 2014 when they were fighting at Silverstone for lower positions and whatnot. But, you know, Alonso, again, showing Alpine... He's got the goods. He's a driver that they should not have let go of. But, you know, Alpine being Alpine and having poor management, they're like, uh, well, you know. Um, and, again, with the points that Alpine have scored today in their battle with McLaren for the championship, Alonso's contribution has ended up being quite handy. So, you know, he, again, along the likes of Vettel and Hamilton, just wet weather specialists, and they put on a show in a day, on a day where... I don't think any sort of entertainment would have um, saved what was a pretty dark day
0: for F1. A dark day in more ways than one, you could say, given uh, there was all those talk about like the lights going out in Suzuka. But oops, um George Russell was very vocal during that session, um, wanted to stay out on another lap, on the wets for another lap near the start. Um, ultimately, I think this would have been the wrong decision.
1: Yeah, I think it, that was the the argument from him. He lost time double stacking, but the team were like you lose more if you stay out. Uh it did sound like he was moaning that he came in to get inters while everyone else was coming in to get inters, you're like, Oh well, what are you moaning at? But yeah, he'd done a solid enough race. Uh I'm 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 kinda of, I'm kinda of conflicted about George Russell in the last race when he had that contact with Mick Schumacher. He then was saying that Mick Schumacher was defending for his life. Well, he kind of is. He's not got a confirmed race seat. So, you know, calm your jets. And then he's on the radio shouting about how great his own pass was. Like a bit, oh, okay, no bother. Well, eh, it's fine. But yeah, it was a good solid race for him. I think he'll be a bit annoyed that Alonso got past him. But that Alpine's fast and Alonso's Alonso. So, you know, it was solid enough. But Mercedes shouldn't be down in that part of the, the table Regardless, uh, we'll need to hopefully do something next season to get them back up, and we can actually have the three way fight we've all been dreaming of in Formula.
0: Yeah, that is certainly the bottom line of today's results. Why are Mercedes fighting in P five and P eight when you know they were consecutive, um, seven times constructors champions? I think it was.
1: Um, yeah, well, it yeah. might
0: have been eight. No, no, they won it last year. It was eight. Yeah, yeah, it they was... won last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Aaron, um, Nicholas Latifi in P9. Um, I know that the internet's going to love this. Um, and Latifi's also probably going to love it because, you know, he gets to get two points um, to end this season off with. Um, any chance of more?
2: <laughs> well, he's shown that when it's wet and changeable like this, he's pretty handy. Remember back to Silverstone, he got the Williams into Q3. Um, I'm not sure Albon got the Williams into Q3. I might be wrong on that. Correct me, someone, if that is uh, if Albon has done that. Um, but yeah, great result for Latifi. He made the most of the early switch to inters um and then held position. You know, he, you would expect uh the Williams to have fallen back, and you'd especially have felt that Latifi would fall back quicker than Albon if he'd been in the race. But he did a really good job, kept it neat and tidy, no crashes, no spins, uh, managed his pace fairly well. OK, he lost a couple of positions, but yeah, two points. And uh, he's another driver who's benefited from the uh, the decision to award four points because I think he leaps up to 20th in the championship now.
0: That might be a very good point. Um, I currently don't have the actual championship standings up in front of me, but... Um... It certainly throws some criticism off his back, I guess, from that perspective, because in a twenty um driver championship, being 22nd is uh pretty telling about where you are in your career. But um just to move on whilst waiting on that, uh Jawad uh Lando Norris, another driver to benefit from full points being awarded, comes home P10. But ultimately, like this was touched on possibly by you, um McLaren have yet again fallen behind alpine in the championship.
3: Yeah, like <laughs> saying it with such um pain as well uh on my face because yeah, McLaren have fallen behind Alpine after they got ahead finally last weekend. Like there's no faulting how Norris's race went. You know, he started 10th, finished 10th and survived what was ultimately a chaotic race uh at the end of the day but he's a driver that does excel in the wet but you know i guess just you know these conditions and the track wasn't there for him in the car today so they're just going to have to lick their wounds and move on there's not much more i can say about that and like for mclaren as a whole you know they started as a team collectively they started and finished where they um you know oh, they finished where they started that's what i'm trying to say <laughs>
0: Yeah, and when a driver ahead of you actually ends up DNFing, that tells that also men- that's also worth mentioning. Um, but on that topic then I guess, Coops, uh, Daniel Ricardo being two seconds behind his teammate in P eleven. Um obviously we've seen times this season where Ricardo has been a lot further back than Norris, um, but still being congratulated on that performance. Um Worth congratulating today, being that close to his teammate, or is it just another unfortunate um, situation for Ricardo of not doing enough today?
1: Oh no, you should never, you shouldn't be congratulated for being just two seconds behind your teammate. You know, especially when you're down to Ricardo and you've won what eight Grand Prix uh, in your career. You've raced up at the front. Uh, you actually pushed Vettel out of Red Bull uh, at the height of his career. So. No, I mean it's the, it's kind of the epitome of Ricardo and McLaren. Uh it, you know, it just didn't work for whatever reason. Whether the Formula Ones moved away from Ricardo, Ricardo couldn't drive with a car, whatever it is, probably you guys have probably discussed it and I know we have in the, the other podcast over everything F1. So, you know, we've we've all discussed the Ricardo issue. Uh you know, it's, it's a shame. During the first two qualifying, Q1, Q2, you were like, oh, look at Daniel Ricciardo. Then he, then he doesn't get it into Q3. And It just, it just, it just flatters to deceive Daniel when uh, McBarran. Uh, and, uh, it's, you know, by the looks of things, he isn't going to be in the race for next season. And And that's just what happens. You don't perform in Formula One and you're consistently not performing in Formula One, especially with the expectations that Daniel would have had. You ain't going to be in the grid for long. So it's a shame, but
0: that is what it is. Yeah, it certainly was a shame, especially when you consider the expectations we all had for Danny Ricardo joining McLaren Mercedes as well. Um, yeah. you know, a team that had just done really well in the championship with um Renault power somehow, um mm-hmm. to you know, be given what was the best power unit on the grid at the time, and then just completely falter.
1: I mean um, that, that that's the thing. Sorry to jump in. I mean I think everybody when they saw Ricardo Norris, McLaren, Mercedes on paper, you were like, "Oh, this is it!" You know, this is perfect. This is exactly what you want it to be. McLaren had that kind of personality that Ricardo could fit into, and it didn't work. It's it's a very strange thing. I don't think I've seen something not work when everyone expected it to work as bad as the McLaren Ricardo thing has.
0: You know, ended up being yeah, and ultimately, I think at the end of the day, it will be considered a poor decision on both parts. Um, when looking back over it, as much as there obviously was the high of Monza last year, um, but moving on to Lance Stroll, Aaron, who came home to finish P twelve. Um, ultimately, he um got a very good start, like driving along that very short. And only piece of dry track in japan um but after that a relatively anonymous drive from stroll
2: he managed to find the only bit of track at the start that was suitable for intermediates and it showed as soon as he hit that he took off like it was like when you go on mario kart and you hit like the the zoom pad and you just that's it off you go You, you you yeah he just took off and He almost lost it when he hit the wet patch to be honest Um, but he did well to keep hold of it and then navigate his way through the rest of the lap. He was one of those as well that pitted for a second set of intermediates which helped him get back up the order Um, and I think with a, a better quality car he would have done something similar to Alonso. He might have just scooped a point at the end from one of the McLarens but again Lance showing his credentials in wet weather you know he gets a bit of a bashing because he seems a paid driver and his dad's the boss and we've been through that, but you know, when push comes to shove, he is a capable racing driver, whether he's really good enough to keep staying in formula one um, without the support of his, his dad owning Aston Martin is a different question, but you know, he's, he's a capable pair of hands. And on a day like this, you need someone who is useful in the wet to bring the car home. And he, he did that.
0: Yeah, it certainly took him a couple of years to do it. Um, And, you know, having your dad financing your drives in Formula One helps by giving you that time to, you know, develop as a driver. But he certainly does know his way around a wet track. Um, And a driver who, you know, seems to be enjoying the wet conditions until ultimately finishing P13 in his home race, Jawad, Yuki Tsunoda was all smiles until Russell knocked him out of the top 10.
3: Yeah, there wasn't going to be like a Kobayashi-style celebration in 2012 for Sonoda, but credit to him for running in the points as long as he did. But, yeah, he wasn't going to stay ahead of the much quicker Mercedes that ultimately did displace him. And then going down into 13th as well um, kind of shows you where that Alpha Tauri car is in terms of pace. So it wasn't really, you know... Lacking the ability of, of Sonoda, I think it's just the car is a, a wreck and cannot do much more than that. So, you know, good on him for at least finishing the race and you know, hopefully next year at his home race he's got something better to cheer about.
0: Yeah, hopefully Alpha Tower can give him a car that's a little bit more competitive um for his home Grand Prix next time around. Coops. Uh Kevin Magnuson. Just after the um, red flag was looking rather well up in um, P12, um, you know, after obviously yesterday's qualifying not being so good. But ultimately finishing P14, um, was it just Haas not having the car today?
1: Haas haven't had the car since very early on in the season. They started off well. Everyone else has developed and caught up with them and surpassed them, and then they're back down to pretty much where they probably should be. Uh, yeah, Magnuson's a very capable driver and does well with that. Has uh, flung it down the inside and done a couple of decent passes. Uh, and yeah, uh, the kind of as the race settled and this condition started to kind of level off, the car and the driver settled in where they probably deserved to be. Uh, you know. If, for for the Haas and I think for AlphaTauri Tauri and the same for Alpha Romeo for them to get anywhere the conditions need to be a bit more changeable which as we all saw as the race went on uh, everything levelled out and everyone settled where they probably should have finished
0: Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, Valtteri Bottas was one of the few drivers who said that visibility was too bad to get the racing going again and ultimately finishing P15 which is um fourth last of the of the actual um classified runners. That's the word I was thinking of. Um maybe the visibility was just too bad for the fin.
2: Um well, the visibility certainly improved, but Bottas's skills in the wet have long been uh missing in his repertoire of being a racing driver. He he had he has had some flashes of speed in the wet when he was at Mercedes. Obviously, he won that really bizarre Turkish Grand Prix where the track was dry, but they ran intermediates the whole race. <laughs> so um, he has had some success in the wet and Canada as well in the Williams where he qualified third back in 2013. But all too often we do see him facing the wrong way in the wets. And today he was just anonymous. I mean, they they, they showed his, they played his radio message and then they went ahead with uh, a rolling start and sent them on their way. So maybe they just went, ah, it's Bottas, he's no good in the way anyway. Of course he's going to say it because he doesn't want to keep racing. But, you know, it it didn't change anything for Bottas because he's had a terrible run of form. He hasn't scored any points since Canada, having started the season like a revitalised man with extra sugar on his porridge. But he needs to go to Sainsbury's and find some sugar and some, maybe some chocolate to go in there too because he's having a really rough time at the moment and he needs to find something sweet going on in his life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to also add, like, obviously he won that wet Turkey race, but the season before at Turkey in wet conditions, he was spinning, I think, five or six times during the race. Um, but then also the um, champion um of this and last year also won also spun several times during that race so i think it was just a very slippery turkey that year um as we've all already you know gone over um joward joe guanyu p16 at one point um was six seconds quicker than valtteri bottas after he pitted again for inters and i think ultimately that sort of inspired the decision from the likes of fernando alonso lance stroll etc to Hit for a second set of Inters but ultimately finishing P16 um behind his teammate that's probably just where Alpha were today
3: yeah pretty much like early on it did look a bit inspired that they made that switch to Inters and you know the likes of Alonso and whatnot were able to make it work for them but uh for Joe and Alpha yeah it wasn't gonna be the case so Sadly for him, he finished all the way down where he did, but um, he was battling with the likes of Mick Schumacher and whatnot, and ultimately Joe made the you know quicker decision or early decision to come in for the inters. So he did get to beat uh, young Mick in that respect. So that's probably the only thing that they're going to be saying, "Yay, we did right <laughs> on the day." But yeah, you know, finishing behind his teammate in a pretty chaotic race. They finished the race at least,
0: yeah. Coops, there's a lot that can be said about what happened with Pierre Gasly today, and obviously, um, I think he is still having to go to the stewards, um, because he was being investigated for speeding under a red flag conditions. Um, started in the pit lane because he changed his rear wing, um, had to then change his front wing, um, after the first lap, and ultimately, then we saw what can only be described as, you know, a bit of a mess with regards to what was going on on track whilst cars were still live. Um, Obviously, everyone is going to have a view of, like, what happened and with regards to whether there should have been recovery vehicles on track whilst cars were still active. Just tell me what happened with Gasly today.
1: Uh, yeah, personally, for Gasly, it had a bit of a mirror, but yeah, he, he, lost, uh, he, he decided to collect, or the car decided to collect the advertising holding, which was flung onto the racing line after Saint City's accident in the first lap, uh, which damaged his front wing, went into the pits, when he came out of the pits, he's way down the order, safety car's been deployed, then red flag, he's then been booting it to catch up, the red flags came out. I think during the sky coverage, it actually showed the red flag coming onto the dash and just as he's hitting the point where the tractor is actually on the track, uh, and you know he's quite rightly angry. Uh, there's there's a lot of conversations. I think you know, Karun Chandu on Sky. You've got Johnny Herbert all kind of pointing the finger towards Pierre Gasly to a to a degree. Uh, take that what you will. <clears throat> uh, ultimately, the issue is. Like eight years ago on the same track. Now, any other track might not be as emotionally sensitive, but it's Suzuka. You know, eight years ago, Gilles Bianchi hit a recovery vehicle and then passed away a few months later from his injuries. Uh, so you're back at Suzuka, you've got the same changeable conditions as a, as a tractor on the track, a car goes past at full speed. It's not a nice feeling. We were all, most of us here probably remember that. I remember that race, I remember hearing all about it, and I wrote a piece on the Rupine uh, F1 for it as well this week. But it, it it's, there has to be two sides. FIA have regulations they have to enforce. If Gadsley's speeding, it's a slam dunk. He still has to be looked into. He still has to be discussed. The other side of it is the FIA and the clerk of the course should have made the call. Look, we're having a red flag. Leave it there. They're coming into the pits. Leave the tractor where it is. The conditions aren't suitable to have that tractor there. The lights aren't very good on, that, on the car as we've probably all seen on the footage. The, the, those aren't the nice... Big LED fancy lights in the back of those tractors. You know, colour saints can get out of the way or stay in the car until that they're passed. Once the red flag's done and everyone's past that sector, then get the tractor out. You know, a few seconds, 15, 20 seconds. You know, it's it's another one of those situations that it's avoidable. It doesn't need to have this dis- we shouldn't be having this discussion because it's just it's easily avoidable. Give yourself a few seconds. The race was neutralised anyway. So why did we have to have that on there? Now, the FID, the FIA will probably look into it. Did, did that tractor driver come on on his own? Which could happen. It was, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a human decision. Did the clerk of the course do it without, you know, discussion with, because I think we've had that situation with Michael Massey in one of the races a couple of years ago. Uh, he was told that the clerk, of the, the clerk of the course told him it was clear and it wasn't clear and he let people out. So could there be a bit of a communication issue that way? We don't know. On the face of it, it does, it's just not a good look. And I think the FIA need to make it. And then I, I would rather the fiv be a wee bit more cautious. Because they can argue that on safety grounds and you can't really argue back if they go it's on safety. So we decided to be a wee bit more cautious. Uh, and, you know, as we all know, over the last two years, the FIA haven't exactly put themselves in, haven't, you know, looked very good with decisions, you know, so maybe, maybe just take a step back and have a think about it. But yeah, it looked dangerous. I can see why Pierre was not impressed. I just, while we were on the podcast, I looked on Twitter and there's actually a video going from the Ferrari's onboard camera and even the the the, the track worker was about, oh, there's a car coming past at full speed, So it, it it's not a good look and it's definitely not something we need to see again
0: yeah certainly not i'm going to stick on this for a bit actually aaron um one suggestion was that the fia were obviously aware of the um weather conditions that were approaching and were trying to basically return to normal racing as quickly as possible which is why they kept it a safety car which is why um this um recovery vehicle was deployed as quickly as possible um as coops was sort of hinting at like is it better to you know even with the chance of extreme rain um like you know raining off the race is it better to take that extra you know couple of seconds couple of minutes maybe even um to try and make the right decision
2: yeah, of course it is, but I think this is a, maybe a perfect storm of a, a multitude of different factors. So you've got the race directors who want to get the race going because they know that if they get the cars going around the track, they can stop the water puddling. Um, as we saw, once racing got resumed, it dried up pretty pretty well. And the drainage is fairly good, even though we'd have probably had to stop at some point or all the cars would have had to put on extreme wets. And because all the top, all the teams were on Inters because they're faster, they were in a no win situation. There, race control were kind of stuck. If they throw a red flag, it was going to be a long stoppage, and they could see that coming. But if they tried to hurry the process, then they could catch themselves out with this exact situation. And the safety car is had to bunch the field up. And we saw this in Monza where we had the tractor on the track, and drivers were still coming around to catch the back of the crocodile. It is very, very difficult to get it right. But as Koops says, you've got to be a bit more cautious throwing a tractor onto the track and hoping that it's going to be all right. They know that Gasly is coming around to that zone. So just wait for him to pass it and then everyone's going to be behind the safety car. And if you still have to red flag it, fine. But to have a car coming around, and by that point they hadn't thrown the red flag and I saw some, I can't remember who who it was on Twitter, they said about the different speeds that are allowed to be done. So a virtual safety car, uh, cars have to reduce speed by about 40%. Behind a safety car, they just have to hit a Delta, which uh, Gasly said that he's respected. Um, his uh, thing for going to the stewards is for speeding as he completed the lap. So I think he's gone too quickly after that. Uh, the, the situation with the tractor to catch the back of the pack um it's just a concoction of so many things that are avoidable and that can be fixed by maybe having better extreme wet tires or mandating the use of them um you know if the race starts in wet conditions so they do this behind the safety car if it's a rolling start you have to be on extreme wets so that there's no two ways about it if it's a wet start start on wet tires and then if you have to change them after two laps because the track's drying up, fine. They've done their job. You're not going to get away from the spray. I mean, even with um, the intermediates, you have spray. So that's never going to change. Um, It's it's just a, a difficult situation. The FIA are being too hasty. They're being too pedantic over the wrong things, you know, like nose piercings. I mean, who cares about a nose piercing when... Drivers are being put at risk through hasty decisions that if you just take a moment, you avoid the entire problem rearing its head. And like Jamie said, that they've not covered themselves in glory over the last few years. They need to conduct a big investigation into everything that's happened today and make sure the rules are crystal clear as to what can and can't happen in safety car, virtual safety car, red flags, Uh, races not being run to distance all sorts they need to not necessarily rip out the rule book but just clarify everything for everybody's sake
0: yeah and speaking of rule books actually um, I saw something about this earlier but um, Coops has just reminded us um, Jenny Gao uh, Formula 1 journalist uh, has had her tweet saying Max Verstappen has aged well Uh, someone tweeted that the chequered flag was waved too early um suggesting that even the final lap could potentially not count. Obviously I think right now we're looking at the they're just gonna say that the current provisional results are the classified results. But can you imagine if after everything that has been like discussed, they put it back one lap um or something along those lines. That would be ridiculous. Um but just to uh finish off rounding up everyone, um Joed p18 mick schumacher at one point was p3 um but then Haas left him out on the wet tires and it was a gamble um and then they you know said they were hoping for a safety car um but ultimately it was the wrong decision today wasn't it
3: yeah (laughs) sadly it was and you know it would have been a fairy tale if the conditions would have Stayed the same to the tie that he was on, but um credit to them for taking that gamble, I guess. And, you know, you always have your heroes and your zeros in a race or a situation like this where the conditions are so extreme. So I guess w- all we can do is credit them for doing it. At the end of the day, the result that they had is no different to most of their results this season. So it's not like, you know, oh, you know, they threw away um, crucial points, but you know, if they had scored the points or finished, you know, on the podium, for example, then we'd be like, oh my god, they made the best decision. You know, Haas are heroes, and Schumacher, you know, hand him a lifetime contract or whatever with Ferrari and and Haas or whoever. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of like, okay, he didn't finish in the points again. Same same situation as every other race.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just then to round off the DNFs, coops, uh, Carlos Sainz and Alex Albon, Carlos Sainz aquaplaning and then ultimately hitting a barrier that, you know, you couldn't see from his onboard. board um, And Alex Albon having engine issues. Um, I think for both of them, it's just take the week off and come back to Cota.
1: Yeah, I mean, Albon, you can't do much about it. Keep out of the hairpin. I think it was a box of neutrals. I don't think they could get past second gear. So that's either a gearbox or a hydraulic issue. And then, you know, science just, even he said in the pen while they were interviewing him, that he just, he moved over to get a bit of a better view, hit some water at that speed, you know, that's all she wrote. Unfortunate for the two of them, you know, they'll soon forget about it in a couple of days and move on to quota as you say, so
0: yeah absolutely so that is the finishing results uh time for our driver of the day now I've already made a case for Esteban Ocon being considered there's a few other drivers I think you could consider but let's start with you Aaron who's your driver of the day
2: uh I'm gonna go with Nicholas Latifi the goat
0: (laughs) driver of the day Nicholas Latifi Jawad
2: uh go
3: with the fan vote for Seb Vettel his final Suzuka Grand Prix Japanese Grand Prix uh, scoring points. You know, hard to look past him on this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Coming from the back of the grid to finish P6 in a 28 lap race. Coops, uh your driver of the day.
1: You know, uh I did think about this, but I'm going to have to go with Max Verstappen because, you know, he goes out there gets the lead 30 seconds ahead in a twenty odd lap race. It just kinda in a very small snapshot shows why he's world champion and why he's dominated this season. So that's who go with. It.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A very good argument to make as well. Um, so on that note, um it's time to give the panelists an opportunity to promote, um, give themselves promo. So, Aaron, let's start with you. You're from the Five Red Lights podcast. Where can people find you online?
2: Uh, So you can find me uh, five red lights on YouTube. That's the number five. Um, You can find me on Twitter at five underscore red underscore lights. You can find me on F1 Chronicle where I put up articles and I also write for Inside F2.
0: Awesome. And Jared, you're from Hit the Apex. Where can people find you?
3: Yeah, so the Twitter handle for that one is at the Apex Media. You can find the podcast on all the good podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, yeah, and, you know, we've got, we had the Bathurst 1000 on today in the Supercars Championship, so I will be talking a lot more about that on the next episode than I will the Japanese Grand Prix just purely because I have to... Re- you know refrain myself from you know using expletives, otherwise I'll have to put the e tag on uh my next show, which I haven't yet in all the episodes I've done so yeah, that's where you can find us
0: awesome and keeps you off from everything f1 take it all uh, um indeed,
1: yep, yeah, you can find us on most of the most popular socials instagram twitter uh youtube at joy e f one I am coops underscore e f one on Twitter if anybody wants to get us on there. Uh, and we do a podcast as well. You can get that in most of your the most reputable or any podcast and streaming service. Uh, and it's everything F1 you'll find. On
0: yeah. And uh, if you want to find anything more from me, because I generally just host these these days, um, you can find me on the socials at Rubes, R-U-U-B-E-Z, put a 001 if you're looking on Instagram. But on that note, Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live and we'll be sticking around for at least a bit to discuss um, in even more detail the things that have happened today. There's a lot to unpack that we couldn't fit in the show. And obviously there's some comments in the live chat on the YouTube, which we're going to respond to. So if you want to get some comments in, we'll try our best to you know talk about what gets brought up. But as well as that, We're also on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalog of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on f1chronicle.com forward slash store. And also make sure you subscribe to the first known when each new episode is released every week. We'll be back tomorrow with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.